0: Hi there, Pastor Austin Bonercheck here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message by our guest pastor and friend will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. And again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Good morning, Rosewood. I'm glad you could all join us for worship this morning. If you don't know me, I'm Drew. If you do know me, you're probably thinking, oh no, they're letting anyone up there now. (laughs) If you have any angry emails, they can go to Austin. He's the one that allowed me up here. But uh, no, I'm truly excited to be here with you all this morning. If you haven't been with us for the past few weeks, we've been going through a series called Rethink Religion. Uh, But if you have been going through us with this series, you might have noticed that this series has been less about religion as those who practice the religion, as us as Christ followers practicing our faith. Uh, The first week was us going through um, uh, hearing the word of God and that not translating into our actions. We are neither hot nor cold; we're lukewarm, so we're spit out. Uh, last week we talked about uh, uh, Pharisees and hypocrisy, how they would wear big flowing robes and big phylacteries just to show how faithful they were, but they didn't really have the actions or the life to really back that up, and it was more of a show, something to, for other people to see. Um, and this week. We're going to be kind of mixing the two of those together as we talk about the idea of pure heart motives. Now you may be asking, Drew, what are pure heart motives? Wonderful, we're going to talk about it. Um, But before we kind of get into that, I have a story of when I was in college. When I was at Cornerstone, I was what was called an RA or a residence assistant. Uh, How dorms were broken up is you would have your dorm building and you'd have your floor, and on each floor, you'd have a resident assistant who was in charge of like 20 to 30 students. Uh, Now, resident assistants, what their job was, it was like community building. So, you know, it was like a big slumber party. You'd kind of make sure that people were like in community, not killing each other. But also, if uh, there was like conflict or something bad happened or rule breaking, you're kind of the one to deal with that. One instance in particular, I had to deal with a roommate conflict where one roommate just wouldn't shower. And I had to be like, hey, man, will you shower? He didn't still. And I just didn't know how to interact with a 20-year-old not showering. But um, yeah, that was that. Was that. Um, but for some of these things, it's really hard to prepare 20-year-olds for you know dealing with these big issues. And they only have like a week to prepare us before the semester begins. And so in that week, they are uh, like, you know, training us and through anything, through like mental health issues, to like students abusing alcohol, to smelly roommates, to noise complaints, they're like, here, here's all these things, prepare, prepare, prepare. But the problem with that was that they can't necessarily prepare us for every scenario and for every situation. Um, And so kind of one of our supervisors gave us this advice that sometimes what was required of us was to follow the spirit of the rules sometimes instead of the actual letter rule. That there were sometimes we're going to encounter a scenario that doesn't necessarily, there's not a rule book for it. it. It's not laid out for what we're supposed to do necessarily in that scenario. Uh, and we're not necessarily going to be exactly prepared for what that scenario has, to, has for us. Um, but also required something of us for us to know and to love the rules well, that we'd be able to take the rules and apply them well, for us to, uh, to take this way to uh, follow the spirit of the law instead of the letter rule of the law. One, um, you know, as they were talking to us, they gave us a scenario in which this had actually happened where, Uh, Years previously, there was a student, oh, preface this. On Cornerstone, it's a big no-no to climb on roofs. Like, they're like, hey, we're going to fine you $5,000 if you climb on a roof. And you're like, wow, that's like a fifth of my tuition. I probably shouldn't do that. People still do it. Um, And a couple years previously, a student had climbed on a roof on a building, but then fell off and broke his back. And he's like, oh, no, you know, I'm going to get fined. I can't do this. So he army crawled back to his dorm, called one of his friends, and was like, hey, can you drive me to the hospital? So like he wouldn't get fined. And when they found out about that, our supervisor said, you know, when I found out about that, it broke my heart. It broke my heart that he was so worried about the fact that he had broken the rules that he was scared to come to us when he was actually in need. And he said, you know, that would be a scenario in which Sure, the letter of the rules say that we would have to find him five thousand dollars, but the actual way that we'd execute that and engage with that is that we wouldn't find him that our first priority was to care and to love him in that situation. also, that student was fine. he was actually one of my friend's older brothers he's like married and has kids now, so he's good um but the the rules were thrown aside because the safety was put first the The rules were a little bit malleable in that situation because it was more about the student it was more about the spirit of the law that was something that the israelites struggled to do as we saw last week and as we kind of will see this week they were really good at applying the rule of the law in bad ways and never really following the spirit of the law so if you have your bibles uh if you'd like to turn with me to uh, amos chapter 5 verses 11 through 27 And so I'll start reading here. It says, You levy a tax straw uh, on the poor, and you impose a tax on the grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those of you who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God Almighty says. There will be wailing in all the streets. And cries of anguish in every public square. The farmers will be summoned to weep and the mourners to wail. There will be wailing in all the vineyards. For I will pass through your midst, says the Lord. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That will be a day of darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear. As though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch black without a ray of brightness. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the wilderness, house of Israel? You have list, lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I'll send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. So there's a lot happening kind of in these passages. So we're kind of break that down kind of piece by piece. In 11 through 13, it says, You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Uh, These were things that were necessary for the Israelites at that time, for grain, for eating, for uh, straw, for making houses, for different things. Uh, And it says, Therefore you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. It's very simple what's happening here. Those in power are taking advantage of those that are poor, of the vulnerable, and taking what is necessary for them and building luxuries for themselves. Not only that, but they were denying them justice. It continues and says, uh, "'For I know how many your offenses and for how great your sins. Therefore those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts.'" Not only were they taxing the things that were necessary for them, they were not allowing them to find a way to be recompensated for that. They were denying them justice in its most basic form. Uh, Justice system worked a little bit different in the ancient Israel. things were taken to the gates of the city. And the gate was the courts, as we might know them. And what would happen is judicial decisions for each community were taken to the gate of the city, where heads of families and uh, other elders assembled to hear witnesses, to arbitrate disputes, uh, and to generally dispense justice. But rather than justice, uh, those in actual need were turned away. Those who were meant to dispense the justice at the gate, they took bribes. And those who actually sought to bring justice were punished. The system was broken. It filled the pockets of the greedy, and it silenced those who were righteous. And it turned away those in need. We're going to just jump down real quick, down to 21 through 23, because then it talks about how these people who taxed the poor, who denied them justice, who were trampling over the poor, it talks about how they would then go and they'd say, go to religious festivals, and it says here that I hate, I despise your religious festivals. I cannot stand your assemblies, even though you bring me burnt on offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. Those same people who were doing all this injustice, then came before the Lord and they make their offerings. They made their burn offerings, their grain offerings, they would bring the fat and calves and whenever they were in the temple they technically they did the right things. But they're doing the right things. So that's good, right? You know, they're 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 repenting, right? Well, unfortunately, no. This 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 gets down to the heart of the issue. This religious system is broken. It must be rethought because what's happening is their actions outside the temple are not reflecting their true, uh, their, their, their actions outside the temple are showing their motives inside their hearts. Their actions inside the temple are not reflecting their true actions, they're not true motives. It doesn't show the true heart. What shows their true heart is what they're doing outside of the temple. And what's happening in the temple is an act it's a performance. They have the festivals. They do all this thing as a show. They may even think that this will cover the wrongdoings. But God sees past this showmanship, and he is bringing judgment. And Amos tells how he's going to bring judgment in 16 through 20, and he says, Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, says. There will be wailing in all the streets and cries of anguish in every public square the farmers will be summoned to weep and the mourners to wail. What's happening right here is in ancient Israel, they had had people that were professional lamenters, that they would be summoned to funerals and to different things to kind of, you know, mourn and to wail. And what's going to happen is if Israel does not churn away from what they are doing, the wailing, the weeping, everything's going to be so bad, they're going to have to hire farmers to help with that. It's going to be so bad, they're going to have to bring in people that aren't trained, that aren't meant for that because God is going to bring in justice for the injustice that they are causing uh, and it continues and it says uh there will be wailing in the vineyards for i'll pass through your midst woe to you who long for the day of the lord why do you long for the day of the lord that will be a day of darkness not light i don't know why that did that um it will be as though a man fled from the lion only to meet a bear as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark, with a ray of brightness? These people, they love evil, and they hate good. And Amos is calling out to them, because if they do not change, Israel is going to be sent into exile. The day of the Lord will come. And they think that this day is going to be good. They think it's going to bring God's glory, and that so many good things are going to happen. But what they fail to see... It's the day of the Lord is going to be a day in which judgment is brought on these people who are doing evil in Israel. They will fail to see that they are going to be judged for their actions. It won't be a day of mercy for those who love evil in Israel. But Amos tells them that there is a way out. He says in 14 and 15, he says, seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty be with you, just as you say he is hate evil, love good, maintain justice in their courts, perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. The way for them to avoid this judgment, to avoid the day of the Lord, will to be to love good and hate evil. They think their showmanship is fooling the Lord. They believe they can come to the temple, offer sacrifices, and leave and continue to, to do evil and everything will be fine. But they must change their lives outside of the temple. They need to align their lives with their actions inside of the temple. This is why Israel is receiving judgment. They are offering meaningless sacrifices. They are lighting worthless fires on the altar. The sweet aroma they are meant to be, these sacrifices, are now a putrid stench to the Lord. What was meant to cover their sins is now counted against them. And while these, people, while these Israelites were God's people, God's judgment was still upon them. I think it's important for us to understand this because our institutions are not immune to evil. Israel was God's chosen people. They were meant to be an example to other nations, but as we can see in these passages, they're just like the other nations around them. There's injustice, unrighteousness, it's, they're full of sin. And when we look at our institutions today, it's easy to see the brokenness inside of them. The SBC, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the Southern Baptist Convention. It's a convention of uh, Baptist churches in the South, and it recently came out that a number of their pastors had been sexually assaulting women and molesting children. The Catholic Church molesting children. They killed uh, indigenous people. Robbie Zacharias, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with him. He is a Christian author and theologian who uh, was really famous, and so a lot of people read his books, and he passed away recently. After he passed away, it came out that he had sexually harassed and raped women. If this makes you uncomfortable, I hope it does, and that's good, because these people were meant to protect and care. They were meant to spread the good news, but they took advantage of the vulnerable. They loved evil. They hated good. They came to the temple, and they lit a worthless fire. It's easy to see why people don't like Christianity. When we say we love people, then how we act outside of Sunday morning. They see how we treat the widow, how we treat the orphan, how we treat the immigrant. How the carriers of the good news abuse power and neglect those in need. It shows our true colors, not just what we want people to see on Sunday morning, not what we just want the person sitting next to us to see. It shows our true colors outside the Sunday morning. We have lit worthless fires, just like the Israelites. Because this is not merely the story of broken Israel. These are the stories of us. Our brokenness, our sin, our injustice, our unrighteousness. It's to remind us that when we are looking for sin, when we are looking for what's wrong in the world, it shouldn't just be with a finger pointing outward, but at ourselves. This is a story of God's people, not of perfect citizens, not of a perfect nation, but of sinners. And this does not make the actions permissible, but as a reminder of where we stand. God is using imperfect people for his perfect plan, but that does not make our sin any less excusable. In the New Testament, uh, Mark and Mark, it's recounted how Jesus healed on the Sabbath. I'm just going to read that real quick in uh, Mark 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, Another time Jesus went in the synagogue, and a man was there with a shriveled hand. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, What is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, and he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. N.T. Wright writes about this story, and he says, the rule matters for these Pharisees more than the reality. The reality is that there is real anguish, there is real suffering, there is real evil in front of their eyes. But what's more important for them is the law the letter of the law says you shouldn't, you shouldn't work on a Sabbath, but what Jesus sees is that he hates evil, and Jesus loves good. So he did something about it. In Matthew, this story, the same stories were counted where Jesus mentions if one of their sheep were to fall in a hole, would they not lift it out? And how much more valuable is this man than merely a sheep? They became so fixated on the law, on the letter of the law, they lost sight of on who the law was for. Not only that, but they couldn't see what God was doing right in front of their noses. That he was eliminating evil and loving good. That he hated evil and loved good. And He was asking them to do that as well. But the only way that they knew how to encounter the law was a box to be checked. And when we encounter the law, it's easy to check it off. To do the task, then to check out but rules don't ensure injustice because sometimes our application of the rules creates injustice. That's why we are not merely called to follow the law as a hammer and a gavel, but as a light to guide our lives and our actions. The only thing the Israelites needed to do to avoid judgment, to avoid exile, was to love good and to hate evil that's all that's required of them, and that's all that's required of us. For us to seek justice, to love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. If we want to change ourselves, if we want to change our broken institutions as a church, and do not be fooled, we have broken institutions. If we want to be a light to the world, we must love good and hate evil. It's not merely about the outside world. I'm not not talking about the opposite political party. I'm not talking about other religions. I'm talking about ourselves, our hearts. We must hate the evil in ourselves. So my challenge for you is to ask yourself, what is the worthless fire in my life? Is it coming to church on Sunday morning? Have you confined God to Sundays? Uh, you come, you pray, you worship, and you leave and live a completely different life the other six days of the week. As prayer or reading the word turned performative, the action you hope keeps you out of hell, uh, the good thing you do to make up for the bad things you do. Whatever it is, whatever the evil is in your life, what is it that you must hate? What have you become blind to? What have you become comfortable with? It doesn't need to be bribing judges, but if you are doing that, I would recommend you stop. I'm pretty positive that's illegal. Um, But the evil in our lives are not always these big, blaring things. It might be the small things. Maybe it's the white lies you tell. Maybe it's the gossip you spread. Maybe it's watching porn. Whatever it is, whatever it may be, hate it. Hate it and change it. Seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Pray with me. Dear Jesus, we just come before you, Lord, just with heavy hearts that we sometimes don't always love good and hate evil, that sometimes we love evil and we hate good, God. And I pray that you just change that in us, Lord. I pray that you would change that in our hearts and help us to love good and to hate evil that when we see brokenness and when we see the problems that we would go and we'd hate evil in that and love good and not only in that Lord but in ourselves that we'd love the good in ourselves and we'd hate the evil that we would change not only ourselves but our institutions Lord God I pray that you will help us as we uh, uh, move through our lives and are attempting to figure out what that looks like in our own lives and you'd be there with us we love you God for this on your name Amen. Amen Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.